Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey Baumeister. What is up, bro? Well, hello, FF Freak MTG. I am doing excellent, no complaints. A lovely rainy day to uh, record a podcast. Well, it is beautiful here in sunny Renton, Washington. Wait, Seattle's supposed to be the rainy one and it's been raining constantly in Roanoke. That's messed up. Well, we just tell people that so they don't move here. Um, oh, okay, okay. Well, I guess it's not working because it's a very popular place. Yeah, also it does rain for like two months straight, but the summers <laughs> are beautiful. Anyway, Fair. if you are just coming in and listening to your first episode of the Bachelor's Podcast, you can follow us on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Or Skechers. No, nope. Whenever Skechers they open up shoe. again. Yeah, yeah, they 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 are they are open and probably you can order online, but we are not sponsored. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. Now, today on the episode, we are going to be focusing on M twenty one spoilers because we have a new set of magic cards, which I don't think is that needed because standards is in a very healthy spot right now with a lot of fun and unique strategies that everyone can play as long as they play with Gross Spoiler Uro. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, where are you going with this? Because it is absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, but no, we've got a new set and hopefully that'll shake things up. But uh, before we get into any of the cards, we do have to introduce our special guest for the episode because that is one of the things that is special to the Bash Bros podcast. We always so come special. with a special guest. And now core sets always come with a bunch of boring reprints. So we decided to do a boring redo of our last special guest. It's none mm. other than the washed up has been Brian Brown doing. How's it going, BBD? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's going well. Also, it's Brian S. Brown doing. I'm sorry, uh, wrong, wrong name. Um, but yes, I am doing fine, and I am moderately enthusiastic to be on this podcast. So thank you so much. So that the is, same as every other week, huh? Uh yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. That is that is one great thing that we can say that we do here on the Bachelor's Podcast is our special guests are very honest about their enthusiasm <laughs> yeah actually i'm not sure that i was super honest because i said moderately but actually i meant yeah. averagely <laughs> oh yeah I, uh, you I, know I, I, I feel like both of those things mean the same thing but they hurt more the last the, the, <laughs> the later hurts more okay Brad, so the, I, I think the, we the have later a one was more accurate then for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think we have a problem because I don't think any of our special guests have been ever said that they're very enthused to be on the podcast, though. If they're Actually, being honest, then no, I we have a, oh. a number of the special guests have said that they consider it to be a great honor. In fact, that's oh. a, a recurring theme. That's right. Why Darby and Alias V, of course. Yes. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Why was, a, why, why was a host on the podcast? Oh, yeah. that's true. That's true. Good point. Good and point. Alias was excited. <laughs> but so before we get into M21, we do have to take a look at current standard because the regional players tours are happening. Um, two of them last weekend, two of them this weekend. Now, I, all three of us were qualified. I am playing in uh, PT Arena 3. That starts at 5 p.m. my time this Friday, but both of you actually played this past weekend. So starting with Corey, can you uh, give us a little bit of your experiences playing in, I believe, was it uh, PT2, PT Arena 2? Yeah, I was playing in PT2, and uh, PT2 is similar to uh, what it was like this yesterday when I got a big black eye playing basketball. <laughs> I was pretty much just getting beat up left and right uh, during the PTs. 
uh, into oblivion. But so so what did you play? <laughs> I played Team of Reclamation, uh, just like the LSV list. Um, and you know, I, I, there were really good plans. I you know nothing faulting against that, but I was either getting ripped apart by Brazenbarer uh, from the mirror or uh, Rotting Regisaur, actually. Like, Rakdos Agro uh, just ate, or just absolutely destroyed me uh, with just that 7-6 Dino all week. I ended up going 7-7, nothing special at all. I don't think I played necessarily too great either, so I, I, I can definitely put some fault to that, but I also just don't like playing Team of Wreck, but I just really felt like it was something I had to do. Um, and yeah, just didn't do great. Yeah, so I'm scrolling up right now in the Melee Discord, and so I'm gonna make a short little plug for the Melee Discord. It is a great source for uh, the community. There's a lot of people that are actively talking and theorizing in there in Standard. I've been taking a step back as I've been working on other things and not focusing on Standard, because it's it, to, personally, it's not been enjoyable for me to just grind away when, if I'm not playing Uro and Growth Spiral, I'm, I'm not doing it right, but, um, Mr. Hadouken is somebody that does a lot of things with data in there. And one of the interesting things that he made, uh, I'm gonna throw it into our group real quick so you can take a look. But uh, what it was is it's just mathematical breakdowns of team or rec mirrors based on the numbers of ambushers and then the numbers of borrowers that were played here. I'm just gonna throw it in there right now so you can take a look. Oh, like, interesting. Yeah, it's super fascinating. It shows like the breakdowns. Now the sample sizes aren't big, right? Cause it's only accounting for the Swisses of PT one and two. Yeah. But, but, but what it does indicate at a small sample size is that you're just doing it wrong if you aren't playing four ambushers and at least two borrowers in your team of reclamation decks. Really? Because I I really was not impressed with the ambusher when my opponents played it or when I played it. I only played the two in the sideboard, which was pretty stock. But every single time my opponent had it, I was usually invalidating it with Uro or, you know, vice versa. I, that actually surprised me. Brazen Bar wrecked me constantly, but ambusher I wasn't that afraid of. That's, so that's interesting. Well, so, so just to break down some of these numbers. Now, again, these are very small sample sizes because it's only accounting mirrors. Now, to be fair, 40% of PT uh, or Players Tour 1 was Team Recommendation and 30% yep. uh, for Players Tour 2. But so combining it, zero ambusher builds of Team Reclamation went 35% total in mirror matches, 0% against one ambusher, 44% against two ambushers, 33% against three ambushers, and 29% against four ambushers. Um, and then the... Uh, you know, because it's a small sample size, like Team Reclamation with one ambusher total was 60%, three ambushers was 53 and same with four. And of course, small samples can't take much out of this, but I just think that- like, Brad, was it a small sample by any chance? Sorry for saying it again. <laughs> uh, but I just think it's very interesting that this was in. So you could like scroll yeah. up if you go to the Melee Discord, um, and you can find a link on the website. If you scroll to the bottom of any Melee page, you'll see a little Discord icon. That'll get you to the Discord. Um, but Interesting, though. The Team of Reclamation Room, yeah, this is, like, really cool data. I, I He's been doing some cool stuff like that in there. But uh, it just does seem like these are important cards. And I do agree with it because you have to play this Flash game in the mirror. And if yeah. you don't play the flash game in the mirror and you don't have enough tools during the flash turns, you have to blink first. And if they don't have the correct answer, you're going to get got really hard. Yep. Uh, so from from looking at this chart, though, it I mean, if we were to take this data as like 100 percent accurate, um, as in, like, let's say that it was a large sample instead of a small sample. Got them. Uh, <laughs> 
it seems like it, as you increase the number of ambushers you have, the better you're doing in the mirror. But the same is not necessarily true for borrower. We're having two or three, like having four borrowers actually perform pretty bad. So maybe there's diminishing. Re- like if we were to take this data as being like very, um, you know, accurate, very and, precise. Yeah. Yeah. Then <clears throat> you, there's actually diminishing returns on brazen borrower, but not on ambusher. And no. then, I mean, there's so many outside factors like, you know, brazen bar, the people with a lot of brazen bars playing against the Rakdos decks that leaned on rotting Regis or, you know, they're going to have a better chance against them because that's one of the, one of the better cards or at least one of the necessities uh, in those matchups that it's going to be a little skewed in that way. It's all pairings, right? Uh, Yeah, it it definitely is. But it's also like, because, because the, the, there's a weird thing going on in standard and I'm not going to go into this. This is like an article's worth of stuff. So I'm going to just do a really quick synopsis on it. But like, um, because you have fucked up permanents like Teferi and World of Circumation. You have to play counter spells, but to counteract that, you play Shark Typhoon, and to counteract that, you play Brazen Borrower and and more Flash variants. And mm-hmm. then you also play Command the Dreadhorde or not Command, uh, commence the End Game, so that you can have uncounterable card advantage. And now, when all of this comes together in a mirror match, you there is a lot of difficult turns, but there's also a lot of times where it's like I drew too many counters and they drew all their sharks, so I died. I drew all of my sharks and they drew all of their wilderness reclamations expansions and I died. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's just these like balances that like actually just play out kind of randomly. And I bet there's a lot of little nuances like like watching um, Johnny Emmanuel Deprab play this weekend. I watched most of all of the coverage, actually. And he would just he got down to the little tiny nitty gritties of playing Team Rock. And I was super proud of him for it. Like. For example, he scried once, saw that the card in on the top of the library was a non-land and kept it. Had a land drop for the turn, also had a gross spiral to play at the end of the turn, and instead of playing the land, he kept it in hand. So because he knew he wasn't going to make the gross spiral land drop. And t- doing that hides the information that your cards are all spells. Because yeah. Ur- Uru and Gross Spiral have that stupid thing where they will never set a pause when you don't have an action. Mm. Um, and, and but also that, if he plays the land and then he casts growth spiral and doesn't put a land into play off the growth spiral that signals that he doesn't have a land too yes and it says that he topped a land so all all of the all of that like accounts for he probably doesn't have a land um but what i'm saying is it's just keeping the little tiny guesses and it's a small little um advantages like that that yeah you can get out of these spells and so and just out of the matchup too it's a very tough <laughs> mirror match to play as well yeah like for for what people for like people knocking on standard for sucking um which i i don't really have a dog in that race i will say that <clears throat> do you have a cat in the race though i have a <clears throat> cat dog in the race well, sorry, we sorry. Save game 20 spoilers I'm, for later i'm, I'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry i have a dog cat in the race well how there dare i, I how dare I misspeak? Um, <laughs> like, yeah, these these matchups are really skill intensive. And and for a deck like Team of Reclamation, how you choose to build your deck will greatly impact how well you do in a tournament because you choose what, you know, like, you know, you're putting these cards in your deck for one matchup, but then you're going to be bad in other matchups because of it. And there's a real balancing act to be had there. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of value that you can get out of every card choice in your deck. You see so many cards and you go through so much of your deck that um they're actually there's there's so much room to gain an edge there and there's so much room to gain an edge through like playing well with decks that have like tons of hard decisions like that 
Yeah. That uh yeah, I, I really don't um you know, there's there's a lot of luck and a lot of skill in standard right now, is what I'm saying. Oh, it's not for sure. just, it's not just all luck like <clears throat> people think, you know, it's like uh, Agreed. And like, honestly, another element to this is like the way to sideboard in the mirrors. It's just nobody can agree on a way if you're supposed to take out reclamation, you're supposed to take out expansions, never take them out. You know, I mean, I I saw so many great players that I respect doing completely opposite things. And like, you know, nobody really came to a conclusion. What is the best sideboard uh, plan in the mirror and stuff like that? So that stuff does make it interesting, even though it is the same deck in a row or six out of eight in the top deck like we saw on PT1. Um, so it's still some fun stuff to watch. Yeah, I mean, the the the, the <clears throat> scary thing for me is that, you know, uh, well, actually, let's let's uh, let's move away from teamer. Let's first before we talk about the conclusions of the events. Let's talk about Brian Brondewin's experience. Can you yeah. uh, can you give us a detailed um, story on your preparation, execution, and play, and results from your and, PT2 experience? And how it felt. You, and how I'm it actually, felt. I'm actually going to give you not only a snippet of my testing process, but the entirety of it. Uh, so I played one. <laughs> I played one match leading into the event. It w- with my 95 card Esper Hero deck. Uh, it was against Mono 95 Green. main. Oh no, 95. Okay. 90, you know, 95 in the or not 95. Yeah, it 80 is 95. and 15. 80 and 15, that's right. Okay, yeah, you played Yorian. No, no Yorian, right? <laughs> yeah, no Yorian. Why would I play that card? <laughs> uh, so my 95 card Esper Hero deck, I played one match at Bronze 4 on the ladder. Obviously, I lost it. Um played against Mono Greenine Aggro and uh realized very shortly in that there were zero cards in my 95 that could deal with stone coil serpent zero <laughs> cards <laughs> in the entire 95 that could interact with stone coil serpent the only way i could deal with it is by blocking with enough with hero? hero tokens <laughs> yeah it's the only answer in the entire 75 for the serpent so i mm. lost that match uh actually it was a cl- close match but i did lose it um wow so then I added. Wait, don't Ras- you have Wrath? Like Kai's Kai's Wrath or anything? No. Oh, okay. You think I'm gonna put Hero on the board and then Wrath it away? Get the hell out of here! <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so I had to make an adjustment. I added Glass Casket to my deck. I also w- went down to sixty cards as well. But uh, <sighs> that was that was my testing process, and I went two and five in the tournament. I actually started two and zero. Oh destroyed two hapless opponents both with ethereal absolution felt wow. great not for them <laughs> not for them but welcome for back and then you went 05 and then i went 05 from there I yeah mean, even at the highest part of your tournament you beat an M- an mpl peer of yours right that's true at one and oh in the tournament i beat andrew cuneo so yes yeah yes. <laughs> Some say ended that man's whole career. Haven't seen him on Twitter since. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been seeing him play a lot of guitar lately. I think he's trying to go into a different uh, channel like uh, for said, his competitive aspect. Like I said, ended that man's whole career. Now he's playing guitar. Like, don't know what's going on. So. He's living in a van down by the river. I, I thought it was so funny, though, when Brian came upstairs after round one and said that he won. I thought it was so funny because, like, it was against John Sacrifice. And I'm like... You didn't put any preparation into this. And that person, like, I'm just envisioning, I don't know who this person is, but I'm in, I'm envisioning a person that that makes me happy. And it's this, like, 
Grinder playing weeks uh, weeks on end preparing for this tournament. <laughs> Picks Jun Sacrifice, knows the deck in and out, and then loses to Brian Brunduin on an, a year-old Esper Hero deck in round one. <laughs> something he's never, or they've never played against before in their life. In the, you know, in this testing period. Yeah. And then just thinking, like, how hollowing of an experience that has to be. Like, you're like, hell yeah, round one of the Players Tour, let's go. I can get qualified for the Players Tour final. And it's just like, hero, go. <laughs> Oath of Kaya, kill that, go. <laughs> yeah, how, how disappointing must it have been to... Have me play a Teferi and bounce their Corvold. And then they're like, all right, I'm going to play a bunch of one toughness guys to set up for a sick Corvold turn next turn. And then Ethereal Absolution comes down. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, really? Come on. Not like this. Yeah. Like the wow. Matrix meme just playing through their head. Actually, I, I did have a lot of fun in the tournament. I will say this. I did have a lot of fun in the tournament. Um, I, I did not go in intending to do well. No way. Um, in fact, I had a I was scheduled to raid uh, Blackwing Lair in uh, World of Warcraft on Sunday. So had I done well, I would have had to miss the raid. Priorities wow. in place. Priorities, but, of course. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, pro tour is not important. Raids. Let's go. But no, like I not trying to diminish the the like experience. Like I, some people did really well in this tournament for the first time, and um, legitimately happy for people like that. It, 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 it is a real accomplishment and I'm not trying to diminish that. I just am so, you know, off at it. Well, the, this point, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the thing I just want to say is everyone can put their own value on this. We just don't have to say that ours is the status quo. Like, yeah. like, I mean, I'm just saying like you, you know, like I'm, I'm actually trying way harder than I thought for this. Like this tournament does not qualify for me for anything. I'm already qualified for anything as I'm in the MPL. Um, this tournament has a weird time zone for me now. I'm, I played at 5 PM. If I win it, great. I win some money and uh, win a decent chunk of change and I'll be very happy about it. But I'm not also going into this like end all be all. I have to break, break my back. But because the next two tournaments have a qualification that I'm not qualified for, which is the top 32 championship thing. I'm going to mm-hmm. take those very seriously. Like I truly believe in the carrot on the stick and, and it, th- this tournament d- for me does not have a carrot on the stick. So I'm going to value it lower than tournaments that do. All right, Brad, if you win, I will send you a bag of carrots. How about that? Are you motivated now? Will you also send me a stick? I'll send you a stick as well. Do I have to like, you know, uh, insult you or put you down like the MJ documentary for you to get motivated to this? Because that's I just finished that for anyone listening. And it's I've been trying to apply it to all my things in life here, maybe to get my brother motivated for this player's tour. I don't think that's how it works or how MJ worked, but we can go with that. Okay, perfect. Thank um, you. <laughs> but, but yeah, so so I, I get where you're at, Brian. I, I have no faults of... You saying that it's not the biggest important thing for you, that doesn't diminish it for anyone else. Like other and people also, are going to qualify for a tournament and that's awesome. They get to go play in the Players Tour Final, which has a, a higher prize pool. Uh, uh, mo- the biggest change is that it's just, if you qualify for it, it's just a guaranteed thousand dollars, which I don't know about anyone else, but I get to wake up one morning and sit down on my computer. And after I play a round of magic, I have already won a thousand dollars. I am pretty <laughs> jazzed for that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I will say great. that, like, even though I, I I didn't care about the tournament, like, I feel a sense of obligation to finish out my MPL contract to, like, the best of my abilities. And maybe I didn't do that by not testing for the event like that. You could you could where I where the line gets drawn 
you know, that's that's up to you all. But um, I played the entire tournament until I was mathematically eliminated. And I played to the best of my abilities throughout the entire tournament. Like I while I wasn't um, while I haven't been checked into magic, I, I tried my best and I did put I actually put hours into my list, which I know. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't seem that way, but I, I probably put like four or five hours into trying to make my list. I, I was researching what decks were good. I was trying to make my list in such a way to um, have cards that I thought would be good against um, make actual plans for matchups and stuff. So I, I did try. Um, I don't, I don't know I, if it's just me, Brian, but yeah. I can feel like for the rest of our listening audience, that's that statement just made me so happy. Of just you, like, you know, grinding up for tournaments again, especially ending up on on Esper Hero. Uh, that just that just brings a smile to my face. Well, I, I knew I was playing Esper Hero no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, there wasn't a deck choice involved. It was okay. just, yeah. <laughs> Still proud of you, buddy. But, yeah, no, it was actually a fun tournament, though. I, I want to say that. Like, um, it was it was fun. I, I sit down, play around, and then... While I wait for the next round to play, I can just hang out on my computer, go up, get a cup of coffee, do whatever. Um, I actually mm-hmm. had a lot of and like every match that I won was just so much delight to me. And I didn't care every time I lost. Yeah. So it like I actually I got two wins and like I just had so much fun for both of those wins. Yeah. And even when I was losing, it was like, OK, I got to play like some cool games of magic that I eventually lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I, I don't know. I actually, actually had a really good time playing the tournament. And I think to me, it just, I know that I'm enjoying magic way more when, when I take it casually, which is kind of what I did, even though I, I, I tried hard, but I took it casually. And I, yeah. I just think for me, that's going to be like my future with the game is just a more casual yeah. no. aspect of things. So. Makes sense to me. And I, I got to agree with you. I had a blast playing and it kind of brought me back to around like PT Dublin where they still had like the giant screen at pro tours and stuff. I always loved sitting at home watching coverage, you know, before I was on the pro tour and, you know, being able to just play and then immediately kind of tune on coverage, even though if it's not the same, it still kind of brought me back to like Dublin where they would have the big screens and you would like play your match and then go watch uh, whoever's playing and stuff like that. So I, I felt a little bit of nostalgia. Of course, it's it's still so different and everything, but yeah, felt I mean, that a little bit. I mean, I wasn't even playing in either of these two, but I probably watched. I watched almost every minute of coverage between the two on day one, and but then I, I slept a little bit better the next night, so I missed PT1 day two, but I watched uh, the top eight and then all of P- PT2's uh, day. You, watched, so, you yeah. watched more coverage than Corey and I played combined. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> more, it's, impo- it's impossible for you to, to not, right? Unless you're both finishing the finals almost. Like, I watched a yep. ton. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I get to do crazy. coverage on you, bro. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, so do good. You're doing you're you're doing the eight starting at eight PM coverage for starting you. Starting at uh seven PM my time. Yeah. Well that's but the, the tournament starts at eight PM. Yeah, so I don't know what we're doing for an hour, but yeah, I'm I'm doing the seven PM till that's like absurd. uh eleven PM squad, yeah. Oh yeah, you don't have to do the whole coverage day. They it's break it into fours, yeah. So I'll only watch you go O two, and then I'll be out for the for the evening. Hey, I've got a spicy deck. I'm getting ready, but anyway, let's actually Esper move to the main. T- <laughs> it is Esper. I will say that it's Esper. Okay, uh, okay. Don't listen to the lies. Yeah, it that sounds like lie. lies. 
It, it's a lie. It's not a lie. It's Esper. <laughs> okay. three... it, it's technically the truth, but it's it's very misleading. So. Brian, the truth, is, if it's technically the truth, that's still the truth, man. Yeah. Uh, not when you're not when its intent is to mislead and deceive. You're an Esper purist. That's all it is. <laughs> I'm not an Esper purist. I just don't. Cons- you're you're mostly something. So sorry, we don't have Esper Charm in our deck. Sorry, Brian. He doesn't have a single blue card in his entire deck, and he's calling his deck Esper. He has, a hi- he has a hybrid card that he doesn't cast with blue mana. Whoa, don't spoil not it, true, bro. Not true. I have, a no- I have a watery grave. That's not a blue card. That's a colorless land. No, that is a, a watery grave will help me cast... The hybrid cost of a non-blue card, yes. Brad, I thought for yes. sure you were going to say Watery Grave will help me cast Beep! Yeah, <laughs> yeah Watery Grave Missed helps me cast. <laughs> I should have I done that. Yeah, and then the interaction between bleep, bleep, and bleep, bleep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to M21. All right, let's do it. Let's so do it. M21 is coming out in, I think, a week or two. Jeez, like really soon. Um, yep. well, I will definitely be back on the streaming and YouTube game once once we have uh, content to make there, that's when I'm going to rev back up. But like, I just can't get myself to stream boring standard. Same. Um, I've been really lacking these last month. It's just not enjoyable. I'm with yeah, you. But, but hopefully, I was going to say, I just got to say the transition from talking about the, pro, the players tour to talking about M21 was definitely some discontinuity. Instant <laughs> M21 mythic three blue, blue, blue. As long as it's your turn, the spell costs two blue, blue, less to cast and the turn. Can we end your statement too? <laughs> can we do that? <laughs> uh, yes, you can. Okay. All right. Continue, so, Bradley. Yeah. So M21 will be coming out soon. Uh, I don't exactly know the date for the early access streamer event, but I'll be doing that. Um, trying some new cards, but besides, we're, we're gonna we're gonna save the actual new printed cards for the the back half of our preview episode today, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the reprints that really caught our eye. And I think, uh, yeah, I, mm. and this set actually has some some juicy reprints in my opinion, like some oh, some yeah. really fun ones actually. So really nostalgic, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how nostalgic they are, but they're like. They're cards that are like just more interesting. Now, of course, there's cards like Opt and some of the role players that they've been reprinting. I mean, even Fable Passage is getting a reprint, which is cool. Colossal uh, Dreadmaw, yes, all these staples to standard. Yeah. Oh, Colossal Dreadmaw. Nothing makes me happier than seeing that in every magic set. Every me too. magic set. Agreed. Yeah. I wish they would have it in a common and uncommon slot for one set. Just two different Colossal Dreadmaws do the exact same thing, but different rarities. So like, oh, hell yeah, I got the uncommon Colossal Dreadmaw. Can, can I can I share a Colossal Dreadmaw story or is that too much? Please do. What? What? Why would? Brian, you're our special guest. D- do whatever you want. Oh, Brian, do, you say, oh, do whatever I want. Oh, Lord. Brian, is... you say a lot of, you know, <laughs> fart jokes and say penis on the cast. You think a Colossal Dreadmaw story is going to be too much? All right. Uh, so <laughs> I uh, was, what is the card that was the birthing pod creature? That's, uh, it's a still in standard. Fauna Shaman. No, oh. it's still in standard, by the way. It's it's from uh, Ravnica Block. Oh. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a Simic card. Oh, uh, it's four mana. Oh, Vanifer. Yeah. Vanifer. Vanifer. Yeah. So I was playing a Vanifer deck and it, uh, okay. it topped, it topped out at Colossal Dreadmaw. <laughs> now at the time. In limited or? No, in constructed. Okay. At the time, uh, the hexproof seven, six dinosaur was still legal in the format. 
but I just had Colossal Dreadmaw in my deck instead for the memes. Okay. Um, what, what was that? Uh, Carnage Tyrant. Carnage Tyrant's still legal in the format, but I'm playing Colossal Dreadmaw instead. It's just strictly worse. <laughs> and I'm in this in super intense game with Vanifer uh, deck, and it's like a it's like a grindy game, and there's a ton of permanents on both sides of the battlefields, and it's really close, and it's very unclear who's going to win. And my opponent has a Planeswalker in play, and I think it was Nissa actually, and it's at seven loyalty, and I make this attack at it, <laughs> and my opponent just lets the Dreadmaw through, and it goes down to one, um, <laughs> and, like, they, you know, make blocks on everything else, and it just, if it was a Carnage Tyrant, it would have just killed the Nyssa, <laughs> but because it's, because it's Colossal Dreadmaw, <laughs> just one point short of killing the Nyssa, wow. and, I, and I did end up going on to winning the game, but it was just, like, what am I doing right now? Come on. Like, <laughs> wow. Well, I'm impressed. You were streaming, right? Yeah, I was streaming. Of course. Yeah. yeah, that that's great. That is good content. You mean you were memeing, right? You I call it memeing. streaming? Okay, sure. Same thing. But it was just like it was just a moment of absurdity. Like a lot of times a card is a little bit worse than another card, but it doesn't always like come up in a game of magic. But it was just the most obvious way it could possibly come up. Where, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I'm excited to play with more Colossal Dreadmon in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you impress me, Brian. You impress me. All right. So we're going to kick things off with actually talking about these reprints with uh, the one that's like, holy shit, what are we doing? This will <laughs> this and uh, this will only be around for th- the three month period until the next set. And then we'll get a true rotation and sets uh, the Ravnica sets War of the Spark and M20 will all rotate out. Thank God. I know. But <laughs> until then, we have to deal with the fact that Team Reclamation will get to play with the card Rewind. Now, Rewind, for anyone that does not know what this does, is it is two colorless, blue-blue, instant uncommon, counter-target spell, untap up to four lands. It is a quote-unquote expensive but free counter spell. Um, yeah. And the moment I saw it, I literally got shivers down my spine because I'm just thinking of the games where you go grow spiral on turn two and do wilderness reclamation turn three, rewind your opponent's spell, cast night pack ambusher or yeah. shark typhoon for two at, you know, and I'm just like, GG. Yeah. Also like, <laughs> yeah, you just it, rewind is such a disgusting card because no time is safe now anymore. Like you can't, like you can't in the mirror matches, you can't do the like uh, play a flash spell to tap them low and then get my thing to resolve. Those two cards can just check themselves. It's like play or, my- yeah, or one of the most popular things that I always do is like whatever their turn is to like play ambusher or some really relevant threat. That's when I want to play my very relevant threat, like it's a fairy or something. But now that door is completely shut. It's like, well, now they can rewind and still do it. So it it, it is really brutal. I will say that rewind is an is a is a fair magic card and has existed in standard before without being bad. So oh, it's while not, yeah, it, yeah, to me this is a symptom of wilderness reclamation being a, a ridiculously stupid magic card and not a symptom of rewind being a problem. I mean, what about Simic Flash or like Demir Flash? I think those will still be like a good thing you can do, especially. I don't know. Wait, oh, does yeah. Amateur does Amateur go away with the rotation as well? Uh, Nightpack Amateur. Don't even remember. Let me look. I am. I'm not I sure. I haven't been keeping I, up with the. I think it I f- does. I feel like those two cards are just as much of a you know a great duo as Rewind and Wilderness Reclamation. Like 
Ambusher rewind, if it doesn't rotate, I feel like it's still going to be a thing. No, Ambusher rotates. It's It was M20. Okay, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Well, so the I, I don't think that rewind is a bad card, but I think it is a totally fair magic card. Yeah. Um, you know, like I the four mana counter spell, like it is unta- like untapping four lands versus having a three two creature. Um, you know, it's it's arguable which one of them is better. Uh, in the context of wilderness reclamation, yes, you'd rather untap four lands like most of the time. Uh, but in the context of other games of Magic, sometimes having the three two from Frilled Mystic is is just better. And that card's existed for a while and hasn't been a problem. So why not both? I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not four mana counter spells. I don't know. I'm not I'm not I'm not losing my mind over them. Granted, again, it's yeah. Oh, I'm I'm with you hundred percent. I'm just saying that like there's there's no worse feeling than the overpowered teamer draws. I'm not saying it's gonna take over the format. Um and we have mystical dispute to counter it, and it's a four mana counter spell. The we're the the deck is gonna check itself on how many card how many of this it can play. Yeah. Um, but but is just, it gonna is it gonna wreck itself? It's gonna check itself before it, it might, wrecks. Us. Yeah. It might check itself, and then at some point, I think when we get into M twenty standard, we might have to rewind to this episode and and reevaluate. But mm. oh yes, nice joke, yeah. uh, Brian. You, you you might appreciate this. So in in the uh, the melee Discord, um, the the team reclamation room pops off constantly every day. It's like the most active room by far. Okay. Like they're talking all day long, and I call them the Wrecking Crew. No one's grabbed onto that name. No one likes it, but I still just constantly call them the Wrecking Crew. Nice. And I thought you would appreciate that. <laughs> sounds like sounds like they need uh, some new blood in that Discord. I'm ha- I'd be happy to come in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> All right. I like how Corey always says impressive as can we just please move on? Yeah. <laughs> really? Um, I thought I thought a Miley Cyrus joke would land with Corey, but I guess not. No. Nope. Guess nothing nope. is good enough for Corey, right? You're losing it, man. You're losing it. <laughs> That's, that is false. I lost it a long time ago. <laughs> All right, I'm going to lump these next three cards together because they're just reprints that I really like, and I don't know how good they're going to be. We'll start with uh, weakest to strongest. Um, cultivate two colors green sorcery search your library for two basic lands put one into play tap one in your hand all-star magic card of card advantage for green it's ramp with card advantage now i don't know this this seems more like a five set standard card um because it competes with growth spiral spiral and uro kind of strategies but it's it was just a very pure good uh rampish card for a three to four color mid-range green deck in the past yeah cultivates a super uh i i've hated cultivate in the past because i just hate ramp strategies but in the context of cards like growth spiral and uro and stuff bring cultivate back please like yeah. <laughs> make that be the thing that people are doing i'd much rather see that than these stupid cards another ramp, another ramp card i super love is solemn simulacrum that's coming back this is yeah. a four colorless two two artifact creature rare uh, when it enters the battlefield, search your library for a land, uh, basic land, put it to play tap. When it dies, draw a card. Um, yeah. And I loved this card in the past. I used to play it in trading post decks. I played it. It's been printed three times now in standard, I believe, and all three times I've played it. And um, I don't think it's, it's definitely not good enough to fight a world that plays Nyssa. 
Brad, do you um, remember when we played this at a pro tour or have you blocked that from your memory? Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, no, I blocked that completely. <laughs> how did how did it go? What did you guys play? Uh, I made day two. I went uh, into no, the we tournament. Both, we both made day two. Yeah, we we played mono blue Tron at a at a pro tour. Oh it was yeah, that's right. The worst mistake of either of our lives. So. <laughs> this isn't the but, only time I played this card, by the way, at a pro tour. But honestly, one thing I do like love about this card that I can actually see somewhat of a hone is like a Bant Yorian list, where you know, grow spiral into solemn simulacrum into like dream trawler on turn on turn four. You know, I mean, it's decent. I, I think it, it's a it's a decent role player, but you put this card up against Team of Reclamation and it's going to look really bad. I don't think that that's a place where Solemn will, will shine. You don't think so? No, like there's too much better card. Like Solemn, I don't know how to describe this, but Solemn really works well in like a deck where he's part of the engine of the deck. And I'm not sure that that's not like really the case when you have all these other cards that just kind of outclass it in terms of mm-hmm. the card advantage they generate like crazes and stuff like that well, do you have also, an example of a yeah, deck that would work in I a have, show or i have a good example actually okay. um uh, tra- so, like tra- trading post is actually a great example of it well i think okay. that it's also a good it can be a good role player in a because it's artifacting be a role player in a deck that normally doesn't get cards like gross or so like i could see a Jun sacrifice deck that that is top end is Bolas of Citadel wanting to play like three solemn similar crumbs. Yeah, yes. to go four into a six drop. And, that's and, decent. and yeah. you can sacrifice it to draw a card. So yes. so you get that card advantage out of it. Like you and you have a multiple sack engines for it. It can chump block to draw a card and it buys you time to get to your Bolas of Citadel. Uh so like, I like the, that. The first yeah, the first time I'm putting that in is Jun Sacrifice or a Bolas of Citadel deck in general. Yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. I mean, we even, sorry, BBD, I got one last point to make, but we even see that with like when Heraldic Banner was really good in the Obosh decks because it just had that like naturally good curve whenever you had it. Obviously, a little different because you always had Obosh, but, you know, kind of serves the same role if you play like, you know, two or three bolus of Citadel. Yeah, that like what Brad is saying is is that's the kind of example where a Solemn is going to be really good or like a Birthing Pod kind of deck if that deck existed. Mm. Something where you're getting value out of like every part of, sides, the, yeah. of the Buffalo here, whereas like a, a Bant deck is more just casting it as a four mana rampant growth and like you don't really have a way to kill it yourself. Um, anytime you spend blinking it, like you've already assembled so much advantage by then that it's not that big of a deal. Like that, yeah, like 100%. It's kind of like when you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, you get value off both ends by eating spicy wings. You know, you get full, you clear yourself <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> you get value out of only one end at Buffalo Wild Wings, and it is not the, the food that you're putting in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, next, next card um, <laughs> that I'm really happy to see coming back, but it's also like. Why does green get all the goodies is scavenging news. Scavenging news is a colorless green two, two rare uh, with an activated ability of green exile target card in a graveyard. If it's a creature gain one life and put a plus one, plus one counter on scavenging news. Now this card is like, give me those cats. Give me those arrows. Um, It's going to be great. Yeah. It's a very good magic card. Now it can get overwhelmed in a format that has a very high impact top end of things, but But it is the perfect card to stabilize when people use graveyards as an engine. And so because of that, also it's really good at, like, you can play it and you can mess up their ECDs. Like, uh, it's a very easy mm. thing to just, like, put into play, eat all of their ECD targets or eat the one that they target. Um, 
And so we're, I think we're going to see scavenger news, uh, be a role player in this format, especially because there's not a lot of good graveyard, um, hate right now. Um, yep. it's really difficult to actually put good graveyard hate. And now this is like one of the literal best, um, graveyard hate cards for a standard format because it is a creature. It can gain you life. It can attack planeswalkers. Scavenging, uh, scavenging you should be evergreen. It should be in every format. You I'm think not so? I, yes, 100%. Like, every format should have checks and balances on areas that are ripe for abuse. The graveyard is always an area that people abuse in every format. There yep. should always be good graveyard hate. And the problem with graveyard hate that's stuff like Graft Digger's Cage or whatever is that it's so narrow that you can never really play with it. And Scavenging Ooze is, is a creature... That's a, it's a two two for two. It's not impressive. Scavenging use is never going to dominate a format or take over a format because it's just a generic creature with that doesn't have a common to play ability and dies every removal spell. Yeah, but it it is as a playable card even in matchups where the graveyard isn't being abused. So you can put it in your deck always. And then if there are decks that do abuse the graveyard, it is really important that a card like Scavenging Use exists. I, I just I think it should be in every single format. No, I have like, a, yeah, I have a, that makes sense. Well, I actually have uh, a devil's advocate stance on this, and I, well, maybe it's not devil's advocate, but I want I want to get this. I actually kind of like it when, the, like by design, you can tell, and sometimes it's successful, and sometimes it's not. But by design, I've I've seen sets create strategies that they th- that wizards uh, and play design specifically, I think, are going to be you know played in standard, maybe not the exact builds that they think. But then a set later, they'll come out with a very obvious answer to them that's not overpowering, but that can interact with them well. Um, artifacts in one set, really good artifact destruction in the next set. Like Agent of Veil and then Veil of Summer. I gotcha. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Agent of Treachery, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Dang it. Dang but, it. Well, they both were in the same set, weren't they? <laughs> they they sure. were, yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, not sure. They were both unbalanced. No, I was just making a bad but what joke. What I'm saying so. is, like, the clearly. The cat oven stuff, the Uros, the even the uh, Kroxas, like these are cards that were intended to see play. There's no way that they weren't. Um, and and a lot of this, uh, you know, that we just got done with a set uh, Theros or what? Yeah, Theros, which was all of the escape stuff. And so, like, I like that we we get time to play with them. We have to find ways to interact with them for a while. And then Scavengers comes and and creates that. Now the now here's my point. I think that Magic becomes a boring game when we have figured out how to interact with each other, and so creating legs for different and better interactions, I think, keeps the game interesting. Here's a counterpoint to what you just said. Mm-hmm. The last time Scavenging Ooze was in Standard was a format that had Scavenging Ooze, Rest in Peace, and Ground Seal, and the best deck was still a graveyard deck. Which, Which one was, was it? Dredge? Uh, Abzan Reanimator. Oh, yeah. Was still the best deck when Scavenging Ooze, Ground Seal, and Rest in Peace all were cards that were legal in the format. And in fact, Rest in Peace wasn't a card that people played until the Aristocrat deck came around where it hated on that deck in a very different way. But it wasn't a card that people played specifically because that kind of super targeted graveyard hate is just not a card you can invest in in standard for the most part. And I, I like that. My, my point is that those resources like artifacts and graveyards are just so strong that even when good answers exist, they can still be a good deck. But when good answers don't exist, they will they can often take over the format. Not that they always will. 
But it is such a da- dangerous design space always that I just I, I think that yeah and may, and like I, I understand your point. I think it's a good point, and I think there might be times where they hit a deck that's a graveyard deck that exists like right on that line of not being too good but still being fun, and you can still interact with it. But it's just so easy to skew one way or another, and having safeguards like ooze is just yeah. I don't well, know. I, I mean, I actually so so I don't agree that like I wouldn't want to scavenge an ooze be evergreen just for the fact that like it hates on two aspects of magic graveyards and aggro. And I don't think it hates on aggro that much though. It's super easy to stabilize with it, like when when the time when when things are you know broken down when both players yeah, on turn five or whatever low, yeah. or turn eight when things are low resource and you're at like three life and you all of a sudden go to seven and that if they can't kill it next turn it takes over the game yeah um, i mean there's like bane slayer and stuff though too there's so many anti-aggro cards i don't know yeah um well i'm just saying that like i like that this is a five set card where it's only going to be around for five sets i love scavenger news i love it um, I just don't want it to, if it's good, I don't want it to be like the, it's like the tireless tracker. I, I love tireless tracker, but I'm glad that we didn't play eight. Um, or did we play eight sets with it? I don't think we did. I think it was like five or six. I mean, the, those words six. coming out of your mouth is like, it feels like blasphemy to me. I feel like you want tireless tracker selfishly to be evergreen. No, yeah, but I, I don't <laughs> think that they're the same tracker generates advantages that scavenging use can't do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying as Brad's play preference styles, you know, tireless tracker is basically everything I that you like to biggest, do. I guess my biggest motivator here is saying that um, I am not a fan of a card dominating for eight, eight sets, which equals two full years. And, yeah. and I'm still a proponent of like the five set set rotation. I just like the constant changing of standard so yep. that so that we have more deck building and interesting things to talk about and play and things like that. I think like Gideon, for example, the biggest mistake for Gideon is that it it had a very long lifespan in standard and it also dominated for most of it. So here's my counterpoint to that, which is that I don't. It's a lot think, of counterpoints. I know, but points are <laughs> points and counterpoints are being made. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm in a debate class again. Yeah. Uh, Corey's got to do scorekeeping here. Yeah, hey, he's, well, yeah, he's yeah. What are you talking about? Me and Brian were the undefeated uh, debate champions. Brian, so here, okay. Here's my here's Shut my up. here's my point about that. I don't think that scavenging ooze is going to dominate in the same way that those cards do because it doesn't generate advantages. And as Brad, you've, you you yourself have said, uh, sorry, it does generate advantages, but doesn't generate card advantage. And as you yourself have said, card advantage is what defines standard. Scavenging use doesn't draw you cards like Tyro's Tracker or Gideon effectively did. It just is a body that somewhat takes over the game if it sticks around for a significant period of time. And I think cards like that are actually what standard should be about because that's more fun gameplay than cards that take over games or like that cards that generate so much advantages right off the bat and that require immediate responses to, to be able to play the game of magic. I yield my time. Fuck you. (laughs) 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 All right. I'm going to continue. Wait, 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 wait. I got a counterpoint to that. Okay. You said the body of ooze. Ooze (laughs) is actually an ooze. So it's not always in a body form. (laughs) Take that. Motherfucker. Hey, you didn't get me all on right, that one. All right. okay. so, so when when you said about the whole like accruing not accruing advantage, that actually leads us into our next one because I have a card that's a reprint that doesn't accrue a large amount of card advantage. The turner comes into play. Okay. And, okay. and its name is Ugin. 
Uh, that that doesn't. That, that, yeah, the Ugin, Ugin, uh, the the spirit dragon is getting reprinted, and it does not create a large amount of card advantage when it comes into play. Ugin, the spirit dragon. I not familiar with that card. You mean Eugene? Okay, the Eugene, yeah. Eugene yeah. the spirit dragon is an eight colorless, seven loyalty planeswalker, brother of Nicobolus, uh, winner of the the brothers the war. war. The did Ugin lost the brothers war? I thought. No, Ugin won. You uh, and also Brad, it's Ugin MTG. It's his brother from another mother. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Underscore MTG. Underscore, excuse me. Uh, actually, uh, the brothers' war was Mishra versus Urza. Okay, that's um, what I thought. Yeah, yeah I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think, but yeah, Ugin mm. won the uh, war of the spark. He did. Um, yes. Yeah. Not. Um. So he, uh, Ugin sent, is. He, oh wait, go, go I was ahead. gonna say he sent bullets to the shadow. I mean prison realm. So yeah. <laughs> All right, so Ugin is eight colorless for seven loyalty, plus two. Ugin, the spirit dragon, deals three damage to any target. That is Ghostfire, if you want to look up an old magic card. If you didn't know, that is the uh, the spell that Ugin is casting there. Uh, minus X, exile each permanent with converted mana cost X or less. That's one or more colors. So this card annihilates a board of colored permanents. Um, mm -hmm. And then minus 10, you gain seven life, draw seven cards, then put up to seven permanents cards from the battlefield onto the battle or from your hand onto the battlefield. So, yeah, there's no immediate card advantage built into this card. There right. truly isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Unplayable, then. <laughs> Unplayable. Uh, on, on the topic of Ghostfire, since we're now a lore episode, yes. that is actually the spell that uh, unlocked the Eldrazi. Yep. Mm. So, but that, didn't Ghostfire exile instead of just dealing damage if we're picking hairs? No, the, no, we're not picking hairs. There was just a seal on a gate for the old that they imprisoned the Eldrazi, and Ugin was like, "I'm only going to do one spell here. This is the only mm. spell, and I'm the only one that can do this spell." And then Chandra's like, "I can do colorless burn spells too now." <laughs> Wow, it sounds like an episode of Yu-Gi-Oh where one of the casters is getting jealous of the other one, be like, "I can do that too." Yeah, well, we've done this episode actually. <laughs> so we're actually, we're yeah, we're actually lack. We're we're just being hypocritical here because we've done the same thing, and we are the irony is lost on us. Yeah, mm. so, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I mean, we could have left it at that then, right? Yeah, but yeah we, we we have we have done that episode. You can go back. It's our War of the Spark episode where we talked about the entire story you needed for that. I loved actually researching and doing that episode. But moving on, though, we'll just talk about a few more reprints that I think are really good. Then we'll move on to the cool stuff. We've got um, Freebooter coming back. What's the full name? I forgot. I just kite, kite sail. Yep, I just like the hand disruption element of this card. It was fun to play with. Um, we've got Azusa Lost But Seeking, which is a really weird reprint. Corey, you really want to talk about that. Do you have a quick thing about it? Yeah, quick thing about it. I mean, this is the question that I get asked more than anything when uh, we're on Versus Live and I'm playing a ramp deck. They're like, well, why are you not playing Azusa Lost But Seeking? It's like, well, it doesn't generate any of the land drops itself. You know, you you just games do not play out that way. And I think people really just think of the power in Amulet Titan with this card and just assume that the power level is going to translate to just a normal ramp deck. And it just doesn't. It's nowhere near uh, a playable card in standard, in my opinion. So I'm going to say that Azusa is 80 percent likely to do nothing in standard and 20 percent likely to be super effed up. You think so? Really? It just I just don't understand, like, how you're going to get 
how often when you play that on turn three or turn two with a grazer or whatever that you're actually going to get max value put two lands into play and then you know the next turn actually make any more additional land drops like i i really doubt it well that's generally speaking how azuzo will works and that's like yeah. the 80 percent thing is i, I agree <laughs> okay. with you like the 80 percent is like it's not going to do anything because most of the time you just don't have the resources to, to use on a card like this the 20% is that a series of cards will exist in standard that allows you to abuse this effect. And that oh, is I didn't know we were talking in the future. I thought you meant right now when it oh, comes out. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. I'm talking yeah. about in the future, yeah. So yeah, that could be. My yeah. assumption here, and this is this is how I treat cards like this, and this would be my answer with anyone that asks. Um, my assumption is that this is a card that got added to the set that helps costs. Yep. Um, and so when this think Grim about, Tutor, <clears throat> yeah, gr- yeah, Grim Tutor as well. Think about think about like when this set was probably made. I don't know the exact amount of time that I, I know that the future like or uh, play design works on a set a year or two out, right? And they have to get it, and then it has to get fact checked, and then it has to go to distribution, and then it has to get printed and sealed. And it has dist- to go through Brian Brown doing. Yep. Yes, and and mm-hmm. so. All of that has to happen. And about a year and a half ago was when like the Amulet Titan deck was getting very popular and they even did a ban on it and it was still popular and they didn't feel like justifying another ban because they didn't do anything. But the deck was very expensive and Azusa was one of the very hard cards to get because it was just in that Kamigawa set. Yeah, that's a really good point. That is probably very likely the reason why it's in the set. (laughs) That's, yeah, yeah, I never really thought about it, but I mean, otherwise it just seems like they started a dartboard and they had every little spot on the dartboard labeled as a, a cool reprint and they just happened to land on Azusa. So they're like, yep, you're in. And I think yeah. that was the same logic mm-hmm. behind Dreadmaw as well, where like a year and a half ago, <laughs> yeah, it, was it was dominating, dominating standard. Like it was taking Planeswalkers <laughs> down to one loyalty. Uh, it was doing a lot of real powerful stuff there. And they were like, this card started to get out of hand. We might need to reprint it. So. Smart, smart. Yeah, yeah. I just think that the core sets are a great way to are great sets to infuse cards that people want to play with. That the only barrier to entry is the expense. And like the thing is, is like modern, especially a year ago, was like kind of a bloated, expensive format. And some of the cards were just kind of spiking. And so when that kind of thing happens, if there's a there's an easy reprint, right? Like there's there's probably some cards that they don't want to print in a standard set like Death Shadow or, you know, some some weird cards in an M21. I don't know. I can't mm-hmm. think of good examples right now. Mox Opal. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. But that's banned. But yeah, like, yeah. like there's just like some tougher cards, but like a card like Azusa, that just reads like a card that could be printed at any time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I can see if that's doing well, they're going to put that in. But anyway. But um, yeah, last thing I want to say on that is people that are trying to build their Simic ramp decks to top up with Ugin and they're all about Cultivate and Azusa. It's still wrong. Still play Gross Spyro and Uro. Like they're still going to be better. Yeah. Get the card avenge. Now I want to yeah. move into the actual uh, new cards, new, the actual new cards. And I'm going to start with some cards. This, this is my LOL moment until we get serious. Okay. Wait, we're getting serious? Okay, sorry. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna shit on a few cards that, that oh, I, feel, I feel bad about. So one reprint and two other cards, Baneslayer Angel, three colorless, uh double white, so five mana, five five, flying first strike, lifelink protection from demons and from dragons. Now, 
Uh, I've got a dragon to talk about too. Terror of the Peaks. Three colors, red, red for a 5-4. Flying. Spells your opponents cast that target. Terror of the Peaks costs an additional three life to cast. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Terror of the Peaks deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target. I don't know how that works like the spell, the lore of it, but that's what it does. And then the third card I want to talk about is another mythic. It's called Elder Gar Gargareth. Three colorless, green, green, six, six. Vigilance, reach, trample. When Elder Gargareth attacks or blocks, choose one. Create a three, three green beast creature token. You gain three life, draw a card. Now, the thing that all three of these cards have in common is they just get completely <laughs> by Teferi and Elspeth Conquer's death. Just yeah. annihilated by these cards. They're already very popular cards in standard, and they just get completely. <laughs> yeah, pretty true. Yeah, I, 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 I love them. They're mythics. They're awesome. But like, until Elspeth conquers death and Teferi are not a duo, like it's just so funny to see because these cards, if if they got like Bane Slayer's being reprinted, but if these two cards got printed ten years ago, we'd be losing our goddamn minds. Yeah, and I mean for, to be for fair. Good reason. Yeah. To be fair, Baneslayer is going to be one of those cards that it's there's zero chance it's going to be a main deck card, but it is still going to be a very big role player uh in the board of like Azurius control or Bant control for these hyper aggressive decks that struggle to beat it where maybe Fries are at an old time low or something like that. Do you, know? you want to know a fun fact about Azurius control? That was the deck that you like called shotted for the weekend, right? Uh, I don't recall. You don't recall because uh, the fun mm. fact from uh, Players Tour 1 and 2 is it's the hey, only... I didn't play it. <laughs> I know you didn't play it, but it is the only deck that had a losing win percentage against every other deck. <laughs> <laughs> it did not have a good or positive matchup in the format. Yeah, I will not Even, try to defend myself on that one. I will just uh, say sometimes you swing and sometimes you miss. Um... On the topic of these cards, though, like I, yes, they they get they get messed up by Teferi and Elspeth, Elspeth conquers death and stuff, and and that sucks, and that's the reason why these kinds of cards generally don't get played over cards that give you immediate effect when they enter the battlefield is because of exactly that reason, um, and those that that reason exists in every single standard format, but I really would love if standard went back to a time where, uh when like not every card generated immediate advantage to have to, to, to be able to see play. And like there was oh, more yeah. cards like this and I, I don't know. I, I want to see this kind of magic being, being more well, prevalent. I, so I think it might happen. I think we're getting to a downswing here because this set and the oh, last great. set this were set underpowered weak, yeah. and mm -hmm. these planeswalkers, I think so. So for you, Brian, if you're, if, if, if my, if I had to facilitate your goal, of creating weaker creatures that didn't have card advantage, the first dial you have to change is the Planeswalker's power level. Yeah. And the Planeswalkers in this set are actually kind of, I don't i don't know the better way to say it, but they're dumbed down. They're not yep, dumbed yep. down, but they're weaker. They're just weaker. They're definitely weaker. And yep. and they're, they're not creating as much of an impact. Like none of the, all of these, uh, pretty much all of them fail the Nissa test astronomically. And I mean, the one thing about the one uh, converted mana cost of three planeswalker boss Riquette does not protect itself in any way which is what i think planeswalkers at three should do you know they should not have this bounce effect they should not have you know liliana the veil even effect they should just serve their specific role which this card definitely does as a aggressive planeswalker to press your advantage and you know be nothing more than that 
Should they go up to six loyalty and protect themselves? Yeah, Oko, uh, unfortunately, did, broke that mold. Holy shit. I keep forgetting that that, like, got printed, like, six months ago. Or no, yeah, like, nine just, months ago. Yeah, look at Oko compared to all of these. Oko, I mean, you could make it cost five mana, and it's still the best planeswalker out of all of them. Probably. Uh, doubtful, but... Yeah, maybe not. But Yeah, but I'm just saying that, like, you, I'm seeing this set come down, and we've seen the previous set. I mean... Like, if with the companion nerf, Ikori is a very, very timid, lukewarm set. Um, yeah. There's not a oh, yeah. lot of great things about it. Um, and when they nerfed, the, after, they nerf, after they nerfed and banned the cards that uh, broke every single format in Magic, the set is real <laughs> underwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> Such a weak ass set after it completely God, annihilated they, the game. How could they even. <laughs> justify making such a weak set you after they banned my, everything. I don't even know why they use cardboard for that set. It was <laughs> so right, embarrassing. Both, both of you sit the fuck down because the thing I about am that sitting. Set, the thing about, you guys are making fun of me, but the thing about that set is they introduced a new ability and yep. they, they got it really wrong and all the other cards are kind of garbagey and standard <laughs> besides the yeah. triomes. Yeah, mutate was honestly a pretty flawed uh, just mechanic in my eyes as far as constructed. Limited, it might be good. I don't even know. I haven't even played a limited game. But mutate, I always just thought there's just there's just no way it's going to be good. There's too many cards like Aethergust and stuff that just mess it up so bad. And they're all green. You know, Aethergust hit all of them. So I, I never really saw the mutate thing as being anything uh, constructed playable. Well, yeah, we don't have to get into every single ability in there. We don't have to really, you know. So let's talk about haste. Haste in that yeah, set was pretty interesting. <laughs> All right. So so next up, I want to talk about uh, a card that you like, Corey. It's Conclave Mentor. Tell us, tell us why Conclave Mentor is good. Now, this is a green-white <laughs> uncommon 2-2 centaur cleric, and it has one of your Winding Constrictor's favorite abilities. If one or more plus one plus one counters will be put on a creature you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on it. That many plus yeah. one plus one plus one counter is put on instead. And whenever it yeah. dies, you gain life equal to its power. Now, do you actually think that this like uh, this winding constrictor variant is going to like do something in standard? I totally do. I totally do. And it's mostly because of the one drops that are already in green that are pretty good right now. And it's Pelt Collector. And I think you can count Stone Coil Serpent. Um, two cards that work insanely well with this. And there's al already that like mono green deck that's, you know, making waves here where gem rays are being put on top of creatures that get counters is already proving to be a pretty effective strategy. And when you add in something like this that makes your counters just go absolutely nuts, as well as a three mana planeswalker that works pretty well with it uh, in the form of boss recat. Um, or there's just honestly a lot of plus one plus one counter synergies um, just in this set already. There's that Hydra for one X, one green. Have you guys seen this card? One X and one green? Do you mean X uh, green? Uh, green X, yeah. Okay, let me read it to you. Wildwood uh, Scourge. Uh, X, one green. Uh, when this enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on a non-Hydra creature, which would be everything in green-white, um, you put that many counters on this card. So, I mean, when you start doing something crazy like with Loxodon, where you tap three creatures, put a counter on three different creatures, all of a sudden you put two counters on Scourge, plus it gets three counters from the other creature, but then it's doubled, so you get six extra counters. So with Loxodon and all of these synergies, I, I think there is going to be a deck there because it's very quick. 
and you're and it's going to be resilient because you have planeswalkers that are effective now as well as the um plus one plus one counter and indestructible card uh, i'm forgetting yeah i was gonna say that card still exists in standard too that seems like a really strong <laughs> one for a deck like this Exactly. So it's able to be fast enough to compete with Teamer Reclamation and make threats that are hard enough to deal with, as well as have, you know, just resiliency and wrath protection in the form of Planeswalkers and uh, Unbreakable Formation. So I think it will be pretty good. And and you think about from the sideboard, you have Scavenging Ooze, which this is going to be the best Scavenging Ooze deck by far. You know, it'll be, it'll be the... the it'll, it, uh, It'll maybe make use of scavenging. It'll maybe get the most mileage out of scavenging is the I card mean. itself. Yeah. But it, the best scavenging is deck. I I would like to dispute that. Yeah, the, the, the best scavenging is <laughs> deck is usually a deck with a ton of removal, like Saltai or something like that. Yeah, I guess. It, it would, or whatever. Yeah, but. it would take advantage of the plus one plus one, just of the stats of scavenging is the most against the decks you wanted. Is what I should have said. I, I think this. I think this may be the, wor- not <laughs> the worst. Oh, yeah. Son of a- before you talk, before you say anything, Brian. Yeah, is, can, Corey, can we do a pie bet on this card? Because I'm a not. Pie bet? I am not buying anything you're putting down. Really, you honestly don't see Pell Collector into Conclave Mentor as a powerful thing. Oh, I, yes, I see that interaction as a powerful thing. And then you put Boss Cat out there and you get two more counters on the side. I, I honestly think it's it's reminiscent of like the green-white tokens deck uh, that I had that awesome week when, with that SCG. Of course, a lot of different cards and stuff like that, but it has that feel, I think, of a very aggressive, resilient deck. I mean, but very I could be aggressive. Wrong. I don't see the resiliency. I mean, Heroic Intervention is getting reprinted. Colorless mm-hmm. green, permanence you control, gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn instead. Yeah. So you can protect your creatures. But, like, I just think green-white as a color combination is just never good in a format that we can have very... It's very easy access to three-color decks. You also said Yorian was tier two, though, so I think we both missed our fair share. <laughs> okay, I mean, you can you can keep attacking me, uh, or we can money where your mouth is and pie bet. Oh, he's going to keep just, attacking you, and he's going to be generating 1-1 one, one tokens that are tapped and attacking yeah. for each non-token creature that is Exactly, and if you win the bet, if you win the bet and my self dies, I'm going to gain life equal to my power, son. So I'm actually going to throw my hat in the ring on the side of Brad and Nelson on this one. Ooh, really? Okay. Yeah. We, can do a two, I, we can do a two for one pie bet. I, I don't want to get involved in a pie bet. Oh. Um, yeah. But, I really uh, like betting with Brian on sports basketball games on college basketball. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like, I think that there could be a deck there. Uh, we've, we've definitely like mono white was a deck in the last standard format and, and operated on, on a lot of the same space. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, these kinds of decks run into the issue where you have enablers and you have uh, payoffs and without card advantage. And when you're trying to aggro decks with enablers and payoffs that don't have card advantage, just so often fold to like the best deck in a format, which is usually just chock full of a bunch of like really powerful mythics that also produce card advantage and also gum up the yeah. board and stuff. Sweep it's just the board. Sweep the yeah. board. It's it, it it's so hard for a deck like this. Like it's like okay, a sweeper. Like you know, all people have to do is put wraths in their deck, and all of a sudden your deck sucks. And like 
then yeah, you can answer Wraths by playing cards like uh, Heroic Intervention or whatever else. Or Boss to- Ree's Lieutenant. Have you seen that card, Brian? I it's a white, rare, a white rare right below Bane Slayer on the Mythic Spoiler. That's another one that's very good at insulating you from Wrath. I just think there are tools to beat Wrath. And I agree, normally if, if Wrath of God, Time Wipe or whatever is very good against a green-white strategy, then yes, it is not going to be good enough because Wrath will be played. But with Garrick, with Bossry Cat, not really, because that once you get Wrath, that Planeswalker is pretty bad. But with Garrick and with maybe Bossry's Lieutenant, I think there's a chance. And I, I, I'm i not fully saying this deck is going to be busted. Um, you know, maybe like I was saying, the Fires Yorian decks were early last season. But it has a chance to be a decent aggro deck in the format. But Okay, so, but like, uh, um, there are always cards that beat Wrath. I'm not, like, that's what I was trying to get to. It's like, yes, there's these cards that exist that beat Wrath. Mm-hmm. But... Once you are putting those cards into your deck, then you're diluting the synergy payoff enabler engine that makes makes your deck playable in the first place to make room yeah. for all these other cards to have to beat Wraths. And then you're just playing a really watered down strategy. It's just the I don't know. I've just seen it time and time again with these kinds of decks where, you know, you, you build this deck and it's really synergistic and it's really powerful if your opponent doesn't have the interaction to beat you. But then yeah. if your deck becomes a player in the metagame, people start putting in the wrath, the interaction that beats you. And then you have to really water down your deck to then combat that. And then once you have a watered down deck, you just start losing games of magic because your deck isn't, isn't powerful enough. Like, yeah. And I mean, similar to that, like what actually happened, you know, Jun dinos, like, I feel like that deck was a a one week surprise. (laughs) It did. Okay. I, I, I had a one week surprise and then people played removal. I'm saying it was a bad deck. I am agreeing with you. No, no, is there, is there a fucking inside joke that you have to bring Jun dinos into every episode of the podcast? Like, is there a joke that I'm not a part of? Oh, Oh god, I'm sorry. It was it was one of my favorite decks of all time, and it was so good for one one tournament. And then it was so heinous for the rest of the it's time. Like, so, like, did did you hear about the bill that Trump's trying to get through? It's like, yeah, I remember. It's very similar to this bill that I read about when I was playing Jun Dinos in SCG Baltimore. <laughs> Whatever, uh, whatever, fine. Green white's gonna be bad. Next topic. All right. So the next <laughs> card, Brian, you showed interest in a card. So can oh, you can God. you give us a spin on the new Azurius legendary creature? All right. So it is Niambi esteemed speaker. It's blue white legendary creature, human cleric. Flash. When Niambi esteemed speaker enters the battlefield, you may return another target creature you control to its owner's hand. If you do, you gain life equal to that creature's converted mana cost. Then it has an activated ability of one blue white tap. Discard a legendary card, draw two cards. Uh, So fun fact to Fairy's daughter. Unfun fact. uh, I think this card is um, pretty cool. Like, I I don't know if it'll be good or not, because like, it's hard to say. Um, But it's just a it's just a uh, I I like these kinds of like um, small ball advantage magic cards. And this is this is kind of a small ball advantage card that plays really well in a deck that tries to generate a lot of like little advantages out of creatures um, such as elite guard mage types of cards like that. (laughs) So. Yeah, I, I think that these kinds of cards are are really cool. I, this is kind of magic that I like to play. 
Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to play with a card like this. Yeah. You're definitely, you're definitely going to have to have a final form of Esper hero. Like this, this (laughs) is it, right? Three more months and it rotates. So I really want to see your final form of an Esper deck. It's going to look the same as it does right now with this card. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to actually, they're gonna, are they printing like double Yorion anytime soon? I'm getting, I'm running out of cards even at 80. So. <laughs> yeah, this card seems bad to me, to be honest. Oh, I, this, this I, I don't see it pull up playing a, a good role in, in anything. Um, but maybe I'd be surprised. It turns out cards like this, you know, once they, once these, the cards like this do their thing, you know, then decks come in to, you know, stop it from doing its thing. And then it's just a, a pile of bad green, white, I mean, white, blue, white cards there, Brian. Well, oh, I'm not saying that this card's <laughs> going to dominate standard. I'm just saying this is the kind of card that I see the spoiler and I am drawn to this card. This is the card that I yeah. want to play with. Is, I don't yeah. And I also will say that it is a human cleric, which means that it is uh, it possibly a playable for a modern human deck as well. So. Yes. Oh, it does. It is a vile card. I, I wasn't even putting that together, but yeah, this is oh, this is yeah. this is definitely a vile card. I mean, the thing going back to oh, standard, it's vile, all right, but it could fun. also see play in yeah, the either vile decks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the thing about this card is, yeah, like this is the kind of card that's not going to be good in eight as standard and. Um, for any listeners out there, one of the things that w- I've learned over the years and experience of playing standard for over a decade now competitively is that five set standard looks a lot different than eight set standard. And what I mean by that is five legal sets. So right when a rotation happens compared to what we're about to enter, which is the maximum amount of sets legal in a standard format. Oh, I yeah. thought we were about to enter the apocalypse. I'm sorry. Oh, I got no, that one way life. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. In real life, we might never even see another five set standard. Like, like the world is go- like I'm hearing about us just starting to release genetically engineered mosquitoes. And I'm like, not now. Like, not now. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's when we're talking about a set. We're like, wow, we're tr- we're escaping into their world where maybe there's, you know, fiery uh, emancipation, apocalyptic stuff happening. And then we have a normal life. No, it's kind of flipped this set. We're in the we're in the wildlife escaping to keep, keep going, Corey. You're going to get it. All right, never mind. <laughs> just, we're, we're kind of anger on you right now, but you're 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 making some funny jokes. <laughs> Hello, is this thing on? <laughs> Brad, you were supposed to remain silent so that Corey thought his internet disconnected. Oh. I, I wish it. I wish it did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah, what I'm saying is that I think Niambi might be really. Uh, like a playable strategy once we get back to five set because it fills two roles in five set standard. Um, you get to spots where you can have more lands into play. And also we're not going to have cards like crisis uh, or growth spiral and things like that dominating the format. Right. So like late in games, I could see this being great. You get to seven man, you play a Bane Slayer. They're like, Oh, I have to kill that. You're like play Naomi gain five life. Uh, from the ability, protect my Bane Slayer from the removal spell you've been saving. I'll take the damage or trade out the Nambi. I'll take the damage. And then I get to play the, the, the Bane Slayer again. And like, it's, and that's just a simple variant of aggro versus like mid-range or control. Yeah. So like some formats in Magic are ones where people go over the top, which is our current format where, and in fact, it's Magic for the last six months more than that maybe magic probably i would say maybe even magic no probably for like 
probably since they banned Uro, I guess would be the time frame, has been in over the top formats like Fires of Invention. Um, even the food decks go over the top where they just, you know, Corvold or Bolus of Citadel, Wilderness Reclamation. All these cards just go over the top of you. And it doesn't matter that you drew eight cards and did cool shit. You're still going to just die. Um, but some magic formats are ones where um, interaction matters and people are playing these back and forth games of magic. Sometimes there's aggro decks. I, I know that's wild to say. Sometimes they do exist. And... Um, and uh, Dude, there, there are aggro decks right now, and Embercleave still doesn't rotate. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah, I guess that I guess that is true. But it's like sometimes there's games of magic where people play interactive games and creatures are dying and ga- games are going on to turn seven. And, you know, your two drop can still be relevant on turn seven. And in those kinds of games of magic, this kind of card is fun and also can be very good. So I'm hoping that there is a time period where that exists and I get to play this card and have it actually be fun. Yeah. So that's all I want. All right. Another card. Fiery Emancipation. Sorry, there was some foreshadowing. uh, (laughs) Or should I I say three shadowing for that card where it is a enchantment that costs three red, red, red. If a source, source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage to that permanent or player instead. Now, this is what we call power creep. <laughs> previously, all these cards dealt double, and now we're dealing triple. Um, I'm waiting for M27, where it's like, you know, molten emancipation. If a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals 19 times that damage instead. <laughs> and, then it, um, and then it also has a second ability. It says when it comes to play, deal one damage to each opponent. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and exile those creatures. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, 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 the only reason I'm bringing this up is it's just it's now triple instead of double. And that could be something that's just so powerful enough where this card will see play. But in general, it's just bringing i just want to bring note to the fact that now we're now we're at the triple stage of things well but, but that's, well, we move past the doubling that's going around the world too haven't you seen that new commercial no triple the pleasure triple the fun triple the fun oh triple mint gum <laughs> yeah triple yeah. mint gum <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the third mint being uh what it is though Ugh, yeah it, it, it gets a little <laughs> pungent yeah yeah it does yeah all right so let's talk about one planeswalker and the the most important thing is like you can we can look at the planeswalkers the thing about them is i want to say that these are power creep down so i don't think they're going to have that high of an impact in standard until uh war of the spark and the 556 unbelievably good planeswalkers get rotated out um but Garrick has a really cool ability. So let me let me just talk about this. Garrick Unleashed, two colors, green, green, four loyalty. And if you know, there is no black in it, so the Veiled Curse is gone. Uh, mm-hmm. Legendary Planeswalker Garrick, plus one. Up to one target creature gets plus three, plus three, and gains trample until end of turn. Minus two, create a 3-3 three, three beast creature token. Then if an opponent controls more creatures than you, put a loyalty counter on Garrick Unleashed. Minus seven, you get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step, you may search your library for a creature card and put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Now, the the, the only real thing, that this card is not that interesting to me. It's, it's a good green beatdown card. Because the plus three plus three against trample is very aggressive, um, and that's a good ability. Uh, is it better than Vivian? Probably not, but Vivian will not. Is Vivian rotating? Please tell me from, Vivian, from the last core <clears throat> set, right? I think it is. 
Uh, well, there's there's multiple. How many Vivians are there? There's right a now? new Vivian that just got printed in the last. Yeah, set. there's there's three yeah. Vivians and two of them are rotating, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. the 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 very powerful one is rotating. Um, the four mana, the four mana one from the last core set that fought and did other stuff. Yes, yeah. uh, but that that minus ability I love. Right, Get, make a mm-hmm. three three for minus two. But if they have more creatures, gain a loyalty back. Now, what I love about that is this is very Knight of the White Orchid to me. Um, and I know that that's a card I bring up too much too. Speaking of things that we bring up too much, um, but I love that it is a, an ability that costs more when you're aggressive and costs less when you're defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really cool design space. Design space because even if you have Garrick like still at two, but you're really behind on board, it's not like it. You you know you go back up to one. It, the planeswalker is still gone if you want a negative. So yep. I think it is a really cool design space. Um, I'm going to say something a little maybe controversial here, but, uh, this is the straw that broke the back for me when it comes to Watsi. I just, I, I no longer trust them in any way. Why? Because Garrick unveiled, they could have named it unveiled, but they named it unleashed. Come oh, on. But it didn't yeah. have an actual veil. It had a veil curse. So what about a veil of summer? Veil of Summer, uncursed, unveiled, unleashed. I mean, I'm just saying he no longer has the veil on him, and they could have named him Garrick Unveiled. Did he, have, they, did he have a veil? I thought it was just a curse. He had a curse. Yeah, he had a veil. He had the veil curse. Okay, but but removing a veil curse would be unveiling. Hey, well, you know what? It could have it could have been Garrick Uncursed. Then what were they thinking? Well, uncursed. Now he's unleashed. I don't know. I think. I think. Uh, I think all three of us are off our off our joke game today. <laughs> <laughs> we were never on, Brad. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of which, I want to talk about the perfect deck. It would be an Esper Dino deck with Knight of the White Orchid. Would just <laughs> fully. <laughs> I think that's not a good spot in the meta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, you know what? You know what? Uh, you know what Nambi would go perfectly in? John Dinos. Your your world's 2016 <laughs> winning human deck. <laughs> it, yes, it would. It would go in there. All right. So uh, I think for today, I mean, I, there's a few other cards that we could touch on, but like, uh, I guess there's one that's really cool. It's Baron Tolarian Archmage. Colorless blue, blue, two, two. Uh, when Baron Tolarian yes. Archmage enters the battlefield, return up to one target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. At the beginning of your end step, if a permanent was put into your hand from the battlefield this turn, draw a card. So this is a very powerful mana ward that can bounce either person's stuff, and you can draw a card if you, you know, if it's late game and you yeah. get to review something. So, like, it is a very interesting mana ward. It's, a, you know, it's also legendary. Yes. Note that. Yeah. I love this card for what it's worth. I think it actually is going to have just a very good home into standard immediately. And that's just in these blue-white blink decks. You know, with Charming Prince, you got Thassa's Deep Dwelling. You know, Baron into Thassa's Deep Dwelling against any aggro deck feels pretty mean. And then the coolest thing is, like, if you go Yorian, Yorian blink this thing out and then flash it back in, blink Yorian and whatever else you blinked out, you just get to Yorian every single turn. So I, I think there could be some cute interactions there. I, I want to go on record to say that I hate this card. Do you? Yes. Okay. Because it has no drawback. It, it is it is just it's just Man of War that's just better in every way and there's no drawback to it. Yeah, legendary. And and second blue co- source. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. Like 
I mean, Aether Adept costs one blue blue too, but it's yeah. like it's just Man of War with no drawback. It's just a better Man of War, and it's like otherwise that's that's all it is. Are you saying just Man a, of it, War? Man of War. I okay. did say Man of I did say Man of War, but that was a, mis, a misspoke. <laughs> okay, I, I was thinking um, like maybe I had it wrong this entire time. <laughs> like, yeah, like I, I was thinking the same it, thing too. Have, have I been wrong for an entire decade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, Brad, me, and you, I feel can like never correct BBD because we're wrong so many exactly. more times. So I just always let BBD say it, even if I think he's wrong. Damn, I was really hoping that you guys would not catch on to that, but you did. Because <laughs> I, I, as soon as I said it, I noticed it, but I was like, yeah. oh, they won't notice. Um, but yeah, like I, I just, I don't know. This card just is not exciting to me. It's, it's it's like Brazen Borrower was, it's like, it's just a really, really good on rate card, nothing exciting about it. And it's just going to see a ton of play because it's so good. And it's, I I don't know, like I, not, not a fan. It fits with your in and I just want an excuse to get back to my precious flying bird serpent. So I'm a okay with this beautiful legend. But like it's yeah, I understand that it's really good card. It's going to see a lot of play. And if you like it because it's a really good card, that makes a lot of sense. But from a like fun or magic standpoint, it's just I don't I don't I don't get why this like it's just like, hey, we'll take a card that people really like and just add like three things to it. And it's like Reflector Mage. It's like added a point of toughness and they can't recast it. And all of a sudden it's just a really stupid card that everyone hates. And I, what, I think that's the same thing with Baron. What like, I, yeah, it could be. What I just want to see is I'm waiting for the Twitch clip of play a two drop. They play Teferi, bounce it. You play Baron, bounce it to Teferi. They play Teferi, bounce your Baron. You play Baron, bounce their Teferi. Yeah. <laughs> well, and whoever's everyone, on the Baron side is not winning that game, it sounds like. And everyone had fun. And it's like... I mean, honestly, Baron and Nyambi have very similar roles in a lot of situations, like picking your your own things back up, drawing cards like they both do similar things. But I feel like Nyambi has an actual drawback that you can only return your own stuff and only return another thing. And you have to discard a legendary card, activated ability to get mileage out of it where this just does it all and has no drawback to it. Uh, I don't know. Sorry to keep harping on it, but yeah, I just I really dislike this card immensely. You wish this card was one colorless blue white so that it would trigger your hero of precinct one. Then you'd be okay with it, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, I knew it. So. No, I, would, I still wouldn't be okay with it. I just, it would be a very good card that would go into my deck and greatly improve my win rate, but still, like, come on. You'd be three and four in no time. Yeah. I might even get to four and three. I don't know. Like, all right. So I have one, one last card I want to talk about before we end, end with our casting crew and closing okay. notes. Um, it is what I consider the most ridiculous magic card since that Gigantify card that had the cat on it. The uh, the plus seven plus seven. Yep. Um, I Gig- don't remember what Gigant- it's called. What was it called? Was it, was it just a Gigantiform? Was that it? It might have been Gigantiform. Let me look it up. Oh, no. It was like enlarged or no, something, No, it was right? Colossification. It's plus 20 plus 20, right? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Mm. Uh, enlarge MTG, maybe? Let me just like. Yes, it is. It's, it is enlarged. I'm gonna yep. put I'm gonna put the card art in um, the Discord so, uh, for our viewers. Okay, well, nice. for you guys, so you get the reference, and other people can look <laughs> up enlarged. They can they can literally pause us and look this up. So I just yeah. put it underneath Baron. It's it's enlarged. It's just the most ridiculous art until <laughs> the newest art, which I'm putting in the group after I say it. It's nine lives. It's colorless white white enchantment hexproof. If a source uh, would deal damage to you, prevent that damage and put an in 
incarnation counter on nine lives. When there are nine or more incarnation counters on nine lives, exile it when nine lives leaves the battlefield to use the game. And now underneath in large, you're gonna see this art or right beside it. It is the most ridiculous. It's like if you, it's like, all right, I want a house cat, but make it Lion King. <laughs> like it is just absurd to me that it's just an act. It looks like an actual picture of just a house cat. And then it's just like every every character from the Lion King behind it. Whose is cat it, is it, that it, in D in R and D? You think? I bet is it's it, someone. Isn't it, isn't it this just every picture of Ingrid and Luna that you guys have? It, <laughs> it's like you guys have those pictures on the wall of Ingrid and Luna with like their you know <laughs> yeah. like those super done up pictures. That that's just what it looks like to me. It's yeah, like it's, it's insane that this is like magic art, and it's like. It's just, it's, I mean, it's good. I think this art is very good. I'm not discrediting Paul for any of the work that he's done. No, I think this art is awesome. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah but, it's really cool. Just, it does not look like Magic the Gathering art. Like, I'm like, I'm going to go into this world and become a wizard. And, you know, like the whole lore of Magic, which I'm not even saying that that's important. But it's like, I'm just scrolling through the Magic arts and I was like, what the fuck is this? This is an, um, this, <laughs> this is like, I get it. I completely understand the Nine Lives, but it seems like, it, it would make more sense if it was like, to me, it was like a cat warrior charging into battle with like the pictures of the eight behind it, charging into battle with it, you know? Like, See, uh, yeah. to me, I just, I don't even understand. Like, I, I just have a very, I guess uh, that's the whole thing about art being subjective, but this just looks like a tor totally normal drawing of nine lives to me. Like if somebody told me to draw nine lives, like I could see myself going along a route like this. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like I, would, would, Maybe the cat, it's just, would the cat look so much like it's just a picture from like, like the cat, the, the art of the cat is so well done, in my opinion, if that's a painting, I can't tell that it just looks like a picture that anyone posts on Twitter for cat or day. <laughs> it it, it kind of looks like, uh, you know, those like 80s, like family portraits. Yes, it kind of has that vibe to me. <laughs> if we're going to talk about art, though, I got to talk about peer into the abyss where a I peer, oh, yeah. I, I peer into the abyss and the abyss peers back into me this needed to be said um <laughs> but yeah this this art now this is magic art to me because this this calls back to a lot of the real <laughs> fucked up uh looking arts i've seen in the past and i, I <laughs> yeah. love i love this art i love all the weird arts give me give me the gibbering descent give me the peer into the abysses this is the kind of art that i i'm i'm a big fan of that yeah it's creepy as hell i have to say yep, it is i it love is, it it is really fucked up I, I don't like thinking about it too much because the more i think about it it's like are, is this all of his different consciousness blending together like does he have a ton of them now like i don't know what this is See, I, I love this art because it makes you think about what it is. Like, yes. what even is this? And I love that. It's, that's, it's, it's such a good job. Like, seriously, great, great work on Peer into the Abyss. So, yeah, no, it's, anyway. it's, it's, it's very awesome. But yeah, like Nine Lives. I mean, I love this art. I even like, because I'm a cat lover, like I can see like putting up a print of this in the house. I'm not rich enough to go for originals, but I could get like a print of it. I think it's wonderful art. It just, it's, it just feels so Lion Kingy and just from the house, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to me. I love it though. Yeah. I, if maybe if I was a cat person, I would, it would, it would appeal to me. I'm not, I don't know. I don't, I don't get the, like the whole cute animal thing. It doesn't. Oh, I don't get it for magic. Like, I don't like the fact that there's a million cats and dogs personally on the magic cards, but like if we're trying to do acquisitions, we're, we got to target more people than 
us just that wanting doom blades and mystical teachings back. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm not. I'm not even commenting on this type being cat or dog thing. I'm just talking about myself personally. I'm not an animal person. Like, I not that I, I don't have anything against animals. I just, uh, I just personally like. I don't. I don't want to have. I don't want pets. I don't. You know. It's just to me. That's just not. Appealing well, that to me, sucks so. for you because we're getting a third one in the house, buddy. Yeah, I know we are. We get fun times for fun times for two thirds of the family. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, funny. Uh, I mean, well, well, with the world burning, like the, the, the reason. We're, yeah. So for everyone that knows, I don't know if I brought it up in this or the pre-show, but you could listen to the pre-shows if you become a Patreon subscriber of three dollars. Thank you for your contributions, everyone. Yeah. Um, the pre-show is just our setting up the show, hanging out, some vulgar jokes. Sometimes it's uh, a little dry and we're getting things done. Sometimes it's catching up. Most of the time. Sometimes it's wet. Yeah. Sometimes it's moist. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and sometimes it's just infuriating Corey by saying, let's save it for the cast. Yeah, oh, that's most of it. That's yeah. always part of it. Yeah. Whatever I say, it'll be, oh, Corey, save that for the cast. I'll be like, what? I was asking how your day was. <laughs> but um, Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, save it for the post show. Right. But yeah, so I don't remember when I said this, but I'll say it real quick. Eric and uh, Amber and I have been going over and hanging out with Eric and Athena Froelich. And they have two wonderful dogs and they put the inception to Amber. They put the idea of a puppy in her head and she uh, looked around. And for the first few days, it just seemed like a very predatory services that are just trying to take your money or people that are like, yeah, we do breed dogs, but we don't have another litter ready to go for sale until like the middle of 2021. And so it's like, wow, you're not going to find anything. And she's like, yeah, this sucks. And I'm like, I'm sorry, baby. And then like two days later, she's like, oh, I'm going to drive four and a half hours to go look at a litter of puppies. Uh, uh, we're looking for an exact breed, by the way. Um, and and so now now we uh, are going to have a puppy in two weeks. And I mean, it's really exciting. But also like it's it's kind of uplifting because the world is burning around us and having something new and lovable and fluffy to hang out with is definitely going to be nice whoa brian's not good enough two two days two days in and they're going to be like god this is a huge mistake the dog <laughs> will never shut up it's shitting on everything yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no brian that's what you're going to think about <laughs> <laughs> so they were looking for a very specific specific breed of dog Rambunctious mutt, three white white creature dog, three four. When rambunctious mutt enters the battlefield, destroy everything that Brian has in the house or enchantment in an opponent controls. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah. All of your stuff will be protected. That's because it's all, yeah, it's all in the basement, baby. And, 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 and we have to leave a puppy in a pen for most of the time, unless you're giving it attention. I heard puppies love basements. I heard that was their favorite. It is their favorite. Yeah. Oh, wow. Scorching yeah. Dragonfire is getting reprinted. And that's the cast. That's the show. All right. So, All right. Uh, <laughs> All right. So thank you again, cast? everyone. <laughs> yeah. Everyone for listening. Uh, to end the show each week, we have to thank everyone on our cast and crew. Now to become mm -hmm. cast and crew, these are our highest supporters on our Patreon. Um, they are, uh, they help us. The cream of the crop. Cream of the, cream of the crop or cream of the... I heard cream of the crap, and I, I disagree highly. No, they're cream of the crop, man. All right, yeah. good. Mm -hmm. All right, and no, these are some wonderful people that support us. Thank you very much for supporting the Bash Bros Podcast. Uh, and if you'd like to do that, 
uh, as well, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash bros podcast. But without further ado, we have to get into our cast and crew. And we have a new, we have a new member of the cast and crew. Um, Woo! So the problem with it, though, is we... Uh, We've been doing, we've been moving a few things around with our cast and crew. We actually have a promotion and a demotion this week, but we're, That's right. we're yeah. we, we've been yeah. filling tough, tough cuts. Yeah. We, we are, we are looking for a bigger space because of all of our new cast and crew that are coming in. Um, so we had to find a position for Keith Trojanowski and, uh, sorry, Keith, uh, unpaid intern. Coming yeah, in, you are learning, yeah. learning, learning the ropes coming in, but we we will be promoting people soon. So we are going to be keeping an eye on on your progress, Keith. And soon enough, you might be uh, in a high seat in the Bash Bros podcast. That, exactly. that, that, that's not going to happen. But yeah, thanks for joining our cast and crew. Welcome. Sorry, sorry, we have some budget cuts recently. So uh, you you are you're our unpaid intern, but we will be giving you some marketable skills for your resume. <laughs> uh, we'll be giving you exposure, like we oh, are so doing much exposure, right now. and yeah, we are paying great, Keith an exposure. Yeah, we'll be giving you some great experience on the job. So, and I guarantee it. I can guarantee this firsthand. When I switch up and name your name, I will butcher it at some point. So, <laughs> and, that's and a given. Uh, for full disclosure, here's something that we will not be giving you any money at all. <laughs> <laughs> but Keith, thank you and so also, Keith, thank you so, thank you so much for the support and uh, for the work you do for us. Yeah, appreciate it. Next member of our cast and crew is Mika Ella. And that is Mikaela nope. Hamadot. What? Nope. No, come on. I think I nailed Mikhail it. Mikaela. There you go. Brad Mikhail hit it LA? right there. Yeah. Mikhail yes, LA. there it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mikaela Hamadot. Got it. That is Brad's personal assistant. Of course, Brad nails it. He has been spending a lot of time with this person no, because no, he drinks no, a no, ton no, of no, coffee. Not a personal, not personal assistant. assistant, a personal barista. Personal barista. That's what I said. No, you said assistant. That's what I said. You, you said oh, assistant. Well, I just said because you drink so much coffee. So well, yeah. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, personal assistants have a lot of jobs to do, and they probably do them all at eighty percent. Yeah. Does the barista job so well at 110% all the time that I always have wonderful coffee? 100% is the maximum, so that's a lie. All right. <laughs> we have a promotion, actually. Um, so huge round of applause to EJ Wren, uh, who is now just Corey's player. <laughs> Not down no more. Get yeah. going up in this world. Yeah, I, no um, one can hold me down anymore. We're just homies now. Yeah, you guys are just players. Yeah, uh, some some say a medium player. Um, I I actually like to think of EJ Ren as Corey's player hater, but mm, maybe depends later. on the day. Depends yep. on the day. Yeah, this so. person has not gotten a promotion, even though they've asked many times, and that is right. Alex Arnaldi, who is our data analyst. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, <laughs> so, some would say that uh, why do you have to data all the anal, and they just don't understand what we're doing here. No, they yeah. don't. They never will. They don't know what we got something good going on here and they just don't get it. They just make sense to me. Yeah. They really don't. But someone who does get it is Paul. Yeah, it finally worked. Paul Kakaroski <laughs> is BBD's wall staring photographer. And uh, let me tell you, some of these pictures are phenomenal in our Discord channel. Paul absolutely crushes so it. so what i want you all to realize what just happened i know that many of you have probably left and and so the cast and crew is for paul without words being said 
Corey sets up Paul's name, and Brian is the one that actually opens the can of soda. <laughs> yes. But yeah. neither of them yeah. speak of it every week. That's right. There's no preparation involved for this. We just know our roles and we perform them much like Paul Kakarowski. Yeah, damn right. I'm sorry. Kazarowski, who is BBD's Wall Street photographer. Yeah. Sorry, I pronounced it the way Corey does, not the correct way. My bad. What are you talking about? I pronounce it the way of just opening a can of fresh Diet Pepsi That is right. <laughs> how did you know my drink? It's I just knew. <laughs> we're connected. That's how I knew you were going to open it at the same time, too. We are just in sync. Yep. Speaking of being <laughs> no longer in sync, we have a demotion. Uh, Spoon Tongue. Oh. Sorry, Spoon Tongue. You've been demoted. That does come with a pay cut. Uh, <laughs> you went from being, you're now BBD's body hair stylist. Oh, <laughs> that's just so rough. So rough. It is. Oh, it God. is a position that nobody wants, but someone has to do. So. Well, to be to be fair, the hair on your head demoted itself to your body as well. So we're we're filling a similar role between Spoon Tongue and Brian here. Yeah, yeah. Just, just just like Brian's body skin, his hair has fallen to gravity. Just like Spoon Tongue's role in our organization. Sorry, Spoon Tongue. Hair has fallen, yeah. <laughs> All right, next up is David Watt, who is the special guest screener. Now, that is a job that comes uh, with... It's actually, sorry, we forgot to announce there was a third promotion. David oh. Watt actually got promoted. Okay. To special, he's still the special guest screener. It just comes with a promotion. He's done such a good job. Oh, yes. No, <laughs> yes. Um, actually, that's not true. Uh, David Watt has actually gotten a demotion. And oh, is still okay. the special guest screener. For yeah, still <laughs> yeah. all the terrible jobs that, that David has done. <laughs> yeah, his role has not changed in any way. He's just received a promotion or demotion, depending on who you're talking to for the day. Yeah, it's, so. it's it sounds like a very stressful job, actually, to just constantly be saying that they're doing a good and bad job. But that's uh, that's what we do here yeah. on the Bachelor's podcast. Yeah, like you always say, like, oh, OK, I got into special guest screening because I just was really passionate about the work. But what they don't tell you about special guest screening is all the politics that comes into play with it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like, yeah, I got into special guest screening because I cared about the special guests because I cared about making the best product possible. But what they don't know, you know, 80 percent of your job is just dealing with other people and they don't you know, they never tell you about that part. So. Mm, 100%. And Victor Beauchamp came on with the anticipation that he was only going to be broing down as well. But now he is our executive producer, but we haven't been able to bro down enough lately. So right now, just collecting unemployment, getting that extra bonus money here is uh, Victor Beauchamp. Mm. <laughs> on unemployment. That is not true. We uh, we bro down and, and, and we still pay our cast and crew nothing, just like before all of the problems. <laughs> But now they can claim unemployment. All right, let me uh, hold on. Let me get my glasses on for this one. Yeah. Next, Symbol, Symbol, Executive Waste Management Operator. Nailed it. Uh, that's that's his role. Executive Waste Management Operator. Is that has that been the the same forever? And I got a promotion last week, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay, Executive Waste okay. Management Operator. All righty. Yeah. Uh, next up is Rabbit Chicken, our VP of Video Operations. And you might ask yourself, what videos you speak of? And I can answer back with exactly. Corn. 
porn. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uncut version. Yeah. All right. Oh, and I'm speaking of. Speaking speaking of speaking of porn, uh, our next uh, role is Sultan Abbasi, who is our heavy editor, uh, forced to do editing above and beyond the normal rigors of the job. Uh, this this episode actually, we don't think I need we need to do much of any editing. There are some episodes where we say yeah. some fucked up shit. <laughs> yeah, some notes that we cut. have to send. To- Sultan can take the week off. Nothing crazy has been said so yeah, yeah the right. notes we have to give to our editor sometimes are just outrageous when you read them back all right Pierre <laughs> Benabo is uh is a very interesting because for a while there uh did not have a functioning role but thanks to wizards changing of the companion rule Pierre's is bbp's companion but cannot be played from the sideboard but now all companions can't be played for the sideboard. So Pierre, if you're listening to this, reach out to us and see what other job you might want to do because your job literally is unfunctionable. Yeah, completely useless right now, just like the special guest screener. And just uh, like we don't the pay exact you, we're same not spot. paying three mana. Yeah, no kidding. So what we're going to have to really do here is get Time Ghoul to come in here and do some damn managing to get Pierre and David Watt to actually do a good job around here. David Watt is still working, but we see the product of his work every time. So Time Ghoul, we need a little bit more uh, of you to be on it. I have, a, I have a joke regarding Pierre Vendelbo's role, but uh, unfortunately I would have to run it by some people before I was clear as whether I could actually make it. And, so we, already, just gonna... and we already told Sultan that he had the week off. That's right. So mm, I think so I'll just save it for the it, precast but... next year or yeah. next week. Yeah. All right. We have Eric Nall. This actually, uh, so we've been going through a lot of promotions today. He doesn't have a promotion, but he's been promoted a number of times. I think the, the most in our company. Yeah, that's right. He's actually, he, he's climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, he's the trash barge. So mm. what was once the dumpster, but Really proof that if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and the Vashros podcast, <laughs> well, you're well, still going to be trash, actually, but you'll just Brian, be higher trash. Yeah, he actually started as just a small piece of of trash, and oh, has, okay. he moved up to a dumpster. You know, then the truck, now a trash barge. Like honestly, Eric is like the pure epitome of inspirational. I think the next documentary, the next ten part documentary, is going to be about Eric Nall. So. Yeah. All right. Next up, we yeah. got is IPA for breakfast. Who is our master bartender now? IPA uh, is. Can I can I call you IPA for short, or do you like Mister Breakfast? Um, but uh, IPA uh, goes actually goes by four. Four. Goes by four. <laughs> yeah. So, so four. Um, I'm gonna need some recipes because the longer we're in quarantine and the worse it looks, like it's like oh, COVID's looking like it does way more damage to our bodies than we are equating. And there's people that I see are gonna be on dialysis forever. And then I look at the politics and people are like, let's open up and have a party. And uh, I'm I'm getting more sad. So every time I look at my cup of delicious coffee that I get, um, you know, every time from from McKayla, I uh, I've been thinking about adding a lot of alcohol to it. So mm. a lot, a lot, well, and, yeah. but I don't know what I'm supposed to add to my coffee to make it an adult beverage. So uh, if you can send me some great coffee based recipes, uh, I would I would love I would love for Michaela to uh, to get their hands on it. And I got to give a personal thanks to four because I look down and not at my coffee, but my seven and seven every week. And I just think, God, you know. Four, you are really doing your job. Maybe I'll get a barista one day and I'll drink coffee instead. But for now, I pay for breakfast is crushing it. 
All right, our last member is Samuel Stroman, and that is our public relations expert. We, uh, you know, haven't haven't needed uh, Samuel for a while. We're pretty damn good at all. Well, that, actually, so. I think yeah. the reason that we don't need a public relations expert is because our community is burning itself down on social media constantly every day. That's and, right. Exactly. Yeah. And so <laughs> while we might say things that might, you know, we don't need public relations because there's no real easy <laughs> way to boost our signal loud enough to get over the horrible <laughs> shittiness of everyone spouting crap all the time and nonsense. <laughs> On social I media. Got, I, yeah, you don't need a public relations expert when public relations have broken down to the point that they're no longer something that is even, you know, distinguishable. <laughs> do, you so. know what, do you know what blew my mind today? It blew my mind. This is a, this is some extra content to all of you cast and crew that are sticking around to the end of the episode. Um, I just tweeted out like, oh, what's Jumpstart? I don't know what Jumpstart is. And I got multiple people messaged me like, goddamn wizards and they're not marketing things well and other people are like you should know what this is you're a professional magic player and i'm like holy mm -hmm. shit i was just like literally like dude what <laughs> is this thing brad you have to put hashtag kibler google otherwise people are just like wow you're being a dick dude it was insane. if you're not, no, if you're not kibler insane. googling I, just, I woke up it was within the first 10 minutes and everyone's like jumpstart cards and wizards is replacing someone i'm like oh hey what's jumpstart you know, like why why is there two sets being spoiled and what is this jumpstart set? And like wow. people just were going off about it and I was like, holy shit, like okay, just uh, and someone gave me an article. Wizards Esports actually just tweeted out and was like told me and I'm like, thanks, that's awesome. I know what this is now. Yeah, okay, maybe we do need Samuel, because Brad, you crossed the fucking line, man. I did. Yeah, Get I did. it together. Jumpstart, yeah. come on, in this economy. Would you, would yeah. you, you have would, Google, would you Bradley. you say that it is a rookie mistake, blue instant, until... Uh, until end of turn, target creature gets plus zero, plus two, and another creature gets minus two, minus zero. Yes, I would. And you hate to see it. Three black, black, destroy target creature, gain life equal to its power. Hey, at so. least you were Hey, at least you were applying to a captive audience. Five colorless, one red, one black. Captive audience is an actual card, Corey. Come on. I thought we were uh, doing real cards. Whoa, 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 were were yours not real? Brian, that's a real card in the set. What rookie mistake is? Yes, I read rookie mistake. It's from M twenty one. Oh, and Brian, God. so is Captain <laughs> Audience. Yours was the only non-real. Yeah, card. I, I, thought you were just, I thought you were just making it like a next level joke. <laughs> wow. No, it's <laughs> wow. And David I just, want we need to we need to remember this. Hate to see it. <laughs> yeah, you which did. Now, now if hate to see it's not in the next set, I'm gonna be so mad. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a rookie. I just made a rookie mistake, oh. and you hate to see it. Yeah. Um, wow, that's a way to end a podcast right there that was good all right thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the bash pros podcast we'll be back next week and until then uh you'll be able to find Corey playing and streaming in the star city games seasonal championship is that correct yep and uh doing coverage for your event that you're going to be playing in players tour number three right yeah you're going to be busy that uh that friday night and saturday morning are you also going to be doing coverage yeah. saturday night as well no, I'm not an SCG commentator. I haven't been asked to do that, Bradley. Well, day, Let's not day get crazy. Two of the players tour. Oh no, no, no. I I, I can't because there's an SCG broadcast. 
<laughs> oh, that's fair. Yeah. So yeah. So you'll be uh you'll be doing coverage from on Friday evening, and you'll also be playing and streaming in the SCG tournament. So come out and find out that, and then I'll be playing in that yep. event. Uh, will not be streaming, but might be on features, and I'll be doing social plugs and all that. And you can also find Brian on World of Warcraft server Dungeon Dragon Fight. That's not it. That's that's wrong. You know, I, I gotta say, Brad, you might be playing in Players Tour number three, but you're always number two in my heart. Oh, oh am I number one? No. Oh. <laughs> you're number it's 14. The new, it's the new dog that you're about to get as number one in your heart already, would right? You, you're that's, yeah. Would you that's say correct. what you just said to Corey was a finishing blow? Four colorless <laughs> black to start target creature or planeswalker. Wow, it looks like it looks like I'm gonna go to the other room and have a flood of tears. Two blue, three color. <laughs> All right, thank you everyone for listening to another episode, and we will see you next week. Bye.